You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 76 with Tara Clancy. I'm seeing these kids as a professional come to me for reading evaluations, and I can see that they're having reading problems, but I can now also see these signs of a kid having a sleep-related breathing problem at night, you know, just not getting enough oxygen every night. Welcome to the Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Tara, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Amber. So I'd like to start off every show with an icebreaker. I love to travel. What is your favorite vacation spot that you have gone to and why? And this can be with or without kids. Well, I would have to say my best vacation ever was in Hawaii on the island of Kauai. It was just a a new natural gem every day that I just couldn't believe that it was getting better and better each day. I love it. Uh, That's on my list. I've only been to the main island and uh, Maui, and Mm -hmm. I want to go to Kauai. Uh, Where did you stay? Oh, where did I stay? This is a long time ago. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Well, if you do go, I would definitely check out the Waimea Canyon. It's on the, um, like the northwestern part. It is uh, right... um, it has both the driest spot on Earth. Is there a canyon, a, a desert part, and then oh. it also has the wettest spot on Earth that gets something like over four hundred and fifty inches of rain a year. Wow! So yeah, That's really, interesting. really interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, what did you like about it the most? Is it that, that you got to explore and it just was so different um, in all the areas? Um, or were you talking about like the ocean? Like what? What exactly stands out to you when you think of it? So kind of all of it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, just the natural beauty of the place is is unsurpassed, I would say. Um, and then another like really little amazing thing was that every afternoon, just about four o'clock, there'd be this very light shower, like a, a light oh, yeah. rain uh-huh. that had had this real like cleansing quality to it. And mm. it was almost like clockwork. So it wow. just sort of helped you transition from the the hiking, you know, exploring part of the day into the, you know, more restful uh, evening kind of oh, thing. So that's pretty I, I cool. just loved it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's get started. Um, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? So your name, where you're from, and how many kids you have? Sure. My name is Tara Clancy, and I live in uh, Connecticut, in New Canaan, Connecticut, about an hour outside of uh, New York City. And I have two children, a 14-year-old boy and a nine-year-old girl. Awesome. So how about you share with us how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, well, I am, um, I'm a reading specialist by training. I've always loved reading. I've always been, um, you know, gra- I've always gravitated towards teaching and everything. And so, uh, you know, I've been reading, doing, uh, working with kids as a reading specialist for a long time. And, um, you know, along the way, you just, your knowledge base broadens and you start to see things in different ways, of course, right? So you can see things beyond, um, you can see kids having struggles beyond actual reading or certain struggles that are contributing to their reading, you know, and I looked into food sensitivities and started seeing things. So it was an evolution of looking at problems at a much broader basis. But about two years ago, um, everything dramatically changed for me because of my daughter. She, um, she had always, from the time she was little, she had sort of just puzzled me. You know, I could, I would see little things in her that I couldn't quite put together. Like, for example, she would, 
talk, like cut you off, talk incessantly. And this is like a two-year-old, you know, and, and I was like, gee, I, I would wonder, did she have some kind of attentional problem or something? You know, it was like an ADHD uh, thing kind of brewing. And then I would see sometimes there were actual even like language, what I would call like language misfires. Uh, she would say something about like, that just doesn't sound like regular English, you know, and what I do with kids when I'm working, um, you know, as a professional, I, I do evaluations and I try to figure out what's causing the reading difficulty and then figure out what to do about it. So now here I am in my own life seeing these things in my daughter and trying to figure out what was causing it and I couldn't do it. And those kinds of problems continued then. Uh, when she was about three years old, she started um, experiencing night terrors. And Amber, have you ever had a child experience a night terror? No, but I've heard they are awful. So how about it, you just explain a little bit about that? Yeah. So a night terror is when a child wakes up in the middle of the night, but they're not fully awake, but they are screaming and completely inconsolable. And so you sit there and, and you feel absolutely helpless as a parent to do anything for your child because they're not even awake and there's nothing there's nothing that can calm them. So as I said, she started experiencing those at around three years old. Now all along, you know, I had been, um, you know, taking her to the pediatrician. I had even talked with my naturopath, been looking at different things, um, and I had. You know, I, she, I knew she had food sensitivities, so we were careful about certain foods there. When the night terrors kicked in, um, the, the uh, pediatrician said, oh, it's probably related to leg pains. She did have, uh, she does have flat feet. She said, you know, so that could definitely be, um, you know, causing that. And so all these like little things that were just adding up to, to this, you know, this, she, she does not you know, who I would thought she might have be. I was like all these little things that kept nagging at me. Like, can I help her with these things? And I couldn't, I couldn't find solutions. And then ultimately I kind of just, I just gave up, you know, and said, there's nothing that I can do to help her. I'm out of, out of people to ask and I'm out of things to look up to try anymore. And then that, that changed two years ago when I started uh, working with an osteopath. And basically he um, told me about something called um, sleep related breathing problems. And he said that everything that I was seeing in her could really be explained by, um, the fact that she was experiencing these sleep-related breathing problems. And that's really what, where I am now. I actually, uh, you know, call myself O2 Tara because I'm talking about kids and their the sleep-related breathing problems um, that happen at night and then just impact them, you know, completely across the day and ultimately across their lifespans. Yeah. And so the O2 is for oxygen, just for everyone who, who doesn't know. Um, l let me back up for a second. So you were talking about the flat feet. And now I understand that that probably was not the issue. But can you explain why? Um, I, I could see my audience going, wait, well, let's back up. What does flat feet have to do with your legs hurting and sleeping? Um, do you know why that's an issue? So that was just the um, pediatrician's guess now what, that I, I know at this point that she was saying, well, you know, she does have flat feet and therefore during the day she's um, really taxing the muscles in her oh, lower legs okay. and mm -hmm. therefore that's why she's waking up at night screaming, you know, so I bought her Merrill's, I sure. tried all the shoes, but it still didn't do anything. Yeah. It still 
had this child screaming at night, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, um, but like I said, you know, I was, I, I didn't have anybody else that I could sure. turn to and ask. And so I just said, okay, I guess maybe this yeah. is just, this is, this is whatever she's going through. This is, this is what it is that we'll hopefully will outgrow it, you know? Now you uh, said you went to an osteopath. What does an osteopath do again? So when, yeah, an osteopath is uh, sort of like a, a doctor of the whole body. And um, what they do is um, something called muscle manipulation therapy. So um, they kind of work your whole body. Uh, it's, it's, it's all, maybe if you're, um, your listeners are familiar to, with a chiropractor, yeah. they can, mm-hmm. how a chiropractor would, you know, work to help you, um, in this, in the spine area. Right. Well, an osteopath is like that, but they're working to help you in your whole body to like really, <clears throat> excuse me, really help everything get aligned. And, um, it's a very gentle and very comfortable kind of thing. They're just basically putting pressure on different parts of the body where they can perceive tightness and that sort of thing or misalignment. And then they're, as I said, looking to get you back, uh, to a, um, a more homeos static kind of, um, um, you know, way of being. So it's amazing, amazing work that osteopaths do. And I happened to go see this osteopath just by chance because I was having a a problem and he started talking to me about um, some things. And I said, you know something, my daughter actually experienced, oh, and my daughter, that too, and that too. And as I said, this, what he was talking about was this whole thing called, um, really like sleep related breathing problems. Um, and basically if, if you have, um, a sleep related breathing problem, it's, it's, um, I'm sure your audience has heard of sleep apnea, right? Where, at night, mm-hmm. you you stop breathing for ten seconds or more, um, and that happens, you know, multiple times through the night. So why is that so, um, you know, disabling to a person? Because what happens is that person is sleeping, and when they stop breathing, they have to um, the body has to be um, aroused to get the to get the um, lungs to take in oxygen again. And when, and in order for the body to do that, it has to come out of that deep state of sleep. And therefore, when you have, when you're, you're, it's kind of like waking up a baby all night, going in and just like, you oh know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and, and that's then, a nightmare then, in itself. You never want to wake exactly. up a baby. <laughs> exactly. And then that, what would the next day be like for that baby? They'd oh be, my gosh, you know, so grumpy. Themselves. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so it's, so it's kind of like that. It, it, they call them micro arousals. You, you wake up not enough to be conscious that you're awake, but enough to get your muscles, um, to breathe again. And by doing that, you never get what they call restorative sleep. You mm. never get that long enough amount of time that you need for your brain to wash itself at night because it literally does wash itself at night mm. via this thing called the glymphatic system. And so what happens is you end up, it's, it, it, Amber, it's like, think about when you have a really bad cold or something and you go to sleep and you toss and turn all night because you can't breathe. And right. You, you, what's the next day like for you? Yeah, and you somebody, feel so exhausted. Exactly. And you, you know, somebody says to you, Hey, read this, you know, you, you probably, you look at you, depending on what it is, you know, you may have to read the thing twice. Your head just isn't there for you because right. you didn't get that restorative night of sleep. Now imagine if every single night, it, it, uh, that's what you experience. The next day is going to be really, really terrible for you. 
and then day after that and the day after that. So this so, and this ties into like your daughter. So did they figure out um, what exactly why she kept having the night terrors or was she already past that point? And then you just realized she wasn't sleeping well. Right. She had stopped the night terrors a couple of years before that, but she was definitely still experiencing the actual leg pains themselves. I still saw that those language misfires, nothing like, oh my gosh, this kid needs to be evaluated. She has special education needs, but just ones that I just couldn't pinpoint where they would be coming from. From She still was experiencing some like ADHD like behaviors at time just Can like, you give us an example kind of like what what you would see so that the audience kind of has an idea of what you're referencing Yeah so she you know if we were sitting having dinner as a family and we'd be trying to have a conversation she really had the inability to uh, to sit there and um you know get and re- to talk in an appropriate um manner or in response as soon as somebody would start talking she'd blurt her comment out she'd oh just, interesting yeah. so really you know and and that's you know it's not it just surprised me and I couldn't quite put my finger on it because it was so inconsistent with the way my son was or you know the way that I am so I was like what is going on does she have some kind of you know ADHD problem brewing does she have some kind of language-based learning problem because again this is like what I do as a as a professional you know so when I found out about it being really more related to the sleep-related breathing problem, it all came together. And, and if you think about it, you know, you say, like, why, why could this be so devastating to um, a person? It's like, well, think of our basic needs. You know, we, we, we need to eat, right? And even with eating, though, we can go for at least a few weeks oh, without eating, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's water. But even with water, we can go at least a few days without water. But when you talk about air, you literally have minutes. Um, yeah, right. So, so if every night you have a disruption of air, you are constantly um, giving your brain an oxygen shortage that it really needs to be able to power itself effectively. I always like to think of it as like um, a smartphone. You know, it's like. If you give your kid a, a brand new iPhone, but you don't give them an adequate charger, that can be the best iPhone in the world. But if you can't charge it up, <laughs> right. you can't use it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so our kids' brains and, and our anybody's brain is really like that as well. If you're not adequately fueling it with the oxygen that it needs to function properly, it is going to be running at a you know much less optimally than it could be. And, um, and so that it turns out is what was going on with her. Um, she had this, you know, the sleep related breathing problem. And so of course I had to decide what to do about it, you know, and there are lots of treatments, avenues that you can take and stuff. And so I immersed myself in all this information and, um, I started, you know, you start to become expert in it after a while. And I started to see, you know, uh, certain signs that always came up that were indicative of, of a kid with this problem. And so I, I, I said, um, you know, I, I'm seeing these kids as a professional come to me for reading evaluations and I can see that they're having reading problems, but I can now also see these signs of a kid having a sleep related breathing problem at night, you know, just not getting enough oxygen every night. And so, you know, what, what am I compelled to do? I'm compelled to 
tell the parents about the reading problems that I see, but I'm also compelled to tell them about this more basic difficulty that their child is experiencing because it's impacting the reading. It's impacting everything. And we, you know, we know that from research now, just how pervasive the effects are. Hey, you guys, today's sponsor is by an amazing mom named Jill Wiley, and she loves to share her passion for doTERRA essential oils. doTERRA essential oils are pure, safe, natural, and effective. If you've been sitting on the fence to trying essential oils, this is your perfect opportunity. Jill is offering mom-inspired show listeners a special. If you buy the doTERRA Family Essential Kit, also known as the Feel Better Kit, this kit includes 10 of the most popular oils. She is going to give you a free roller kit set, either the Baby and Mama or the Happy and Healthy Kids set. So if you've been wondering what all the hype is about with essential oils and not knowing which company to trust, this is the perfect time to try it out. You will get amazing products that are safe for you and your family, and you will also get one-on-one support from Jill with any questions you may have. If you want to check out the roller kits, make sure to go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash oil kits, and you will find Jill's contact information there. Let's get back to the show. So how can we figure out if our kids are having trouble breathing during the sleep and especially connecting the two, like, I'm sure there's kids who just have a harder time reading. So then how do you figure out if they're having a hard time reading because they're not getting enough sleep versus they're just having a hard time reading? Um, so I, I can see a lot of moms wheels turning going, okay, so I got to figure out how, how do I know if they're, you know, sleeping um, well enough and are breathing during their sleep? And does this correlate to them reading? So what's your thoughts? Right. So the first thing that I advise parents to do is to look for the signs that you can see um, that would um, suggest that a a child is experiencing a problem breathing during sleep. So um, I, I, there are signs that you can see certain things happen in the face um, that you can see. So um, I like to think of it as um, what I call the cone signs. Like, you know, you have an ice cream cone, right? Oh yeah. So, so the C sign would be uh, looking for a child to see if they have crowded teeth. And that means um, for a kid who has their, um, you know, their permanent teeth coming in, if they, if there's any overlap, but if it's a younger child, like a preschool age child who still has all their baby teeth, yeah. it would mean a child whose teeth line up perfectly. Why is it a problem if a, if a preschooler's baby teeth line up perfectly? Well, because it means that the adult teeth will be crowded. Oh, yes. Why? I, I've, I've heard my dentist say, because my oldest daughter had good spacing, and she's like, oh, uh-huh. that's actually really good. Like yes. when she was younger. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And it's like you look at it and you're like, wait a second, it looks so much prettier when they all touch. Exactly. And you're like, right. right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that means it's going to be crowded. Term, sure. Exactly. So that's really one thing that parents can look for, because what it really means is that the jaw is not large enough. And if the jaw is not large enough, the tongue can't sit properly. And oh. then the tongue tends to fall back into the throat. And mm. that's going to bring on some more of the sleep related breathing problems. And actually, I should mention that too, uh, Amber, I, I didn't mention that before. I did mention that sleep apnea was um, something that your audience would be familiar with. But um, any of these sleep-related breathing problems are much broader than sleep apnea. Sleep apnea would be the king 
of the mm. sleep-related breathing problems okay. because you actually stop breathing, like I said, for those 10 seconds. But you also have um, what's called upper airway resistance syndrome where it, the airway is kind of collapsing and it's making it hard for the air to get through. And now we also know that even snoring habitual mm. snoring yeah. is a sign that the um, air flow to the brain is being disrupted and it really is significant. So, um, so those, it's, those are it's good not to know. Sleep, yeah. Yeah. It's not just sleep, sleep apnea. apnea. Okay. So if the kids are cabin. snoring, that's kind of an indicator is what you're saying? Exactly. So yes. here's the thing. So if, okay, so their kids are snoring and they're noticing their preschooler's teeth is they're perfectly lined up or their yes. um, school age child's teeth <clears throat> are a little tight. Yep. Right. What so that, should they be doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just actually mention um, uh, another couple of things. The, uh, um, I mentioned the cone thing before. The O in cone sta- uh, stands for open mouth. If your child walks around with an open mouth, um, that is a definite sign of oh, a child. Because they can't breathe. With- Yes. Mm, so they have to open their mouth, right? Exactly right. They're having, for some reason, they can't breathe through the nose. So they've, they've reverted to breathing through the, um, the mouth oh, and yeah. that mm-hmm. sets you, um, sets off a cascade of things in the, in the body that are going to, uh, set you up for a sleep related breathing problem. You know, it's funny. My, just yeah. really quick. My husband always jokes cause I'm such a nose breather that anytime I have to breathe through my mouth, he always jokes. He's like, I feel like you're just going to suffocate because you can't figure out how to breathe through your mouth. So anytime there's like a, like, uh, like scuba diving, you put a mask on, mm-hmm. I, that's so hard for me because it's actually having to breathe through my mouth. And so it's, this is interesting that we're talking about the flipped, that they can't breathe through their nose, that they have to breathe through their mouth. Yeah. So, well, that's great that you are a committed nose breather because it's really, (laughs) no, seriously, it's becoming an epidemic in this country of people who are mouth breathing. A Mm. lot of it has to do with the, the food sensitivities that are just proliferating for, you know, you know, different reasons, but we're ending up with tons of inflammation. A lot of it can impact the nasal cavity. People can yes. not breathe that. Breathe through their nose. Yeah. I, yeah. I understand. Yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah. So, uh, so that would be the second uh, sign that, you know, the O is the open mouth. And then there's N, which stands for noisy breathing. Um, so if your child is breathing through his no his mouth, I'm sorry, if your child is breathing through his nose, but you can hear it, that means that for some reason it's uh, restricted and that would likely lead to mouth breathing at night. So if you hear noisy breathing, that's another sign that your child may uh, be showing that he has a sleep-related breathing problem. And then the last uh one of the uh, the last one would be E, which stands for elongated face, and literally the lower third of the face will grow longer, um, starting at about age six. If your child is a mouth breather, it's just because gravity is acting on the face. So those are the things that you can look for. Uh, and again, it spells out cone, C O N E. That's perfect. That makes it easy to remember. So how do we help our kids? Breathe better. Be, I can't even talk. How how can we help our kids breathe better? And what do they need to do if they recognize one of those symptoms, if not most of those symptoms? Right. So there are two ways to think of it. Think about um, you know what uh, the first is like the recognition of it, and then there's um, like which I like to call how to spot it, and then there's how to stop it. 
So in terms of spotting it, um, look for those cone signs. And I have information on my website that people can look for. And there's even a quiz there as well. Um, and if you see those cone signs, then um, there are other signs that you can look for when your child is actually asleep. So if you spot it, then you have to go ahead and figure out how to stop it. So you can work with professionals to stop it. And you can also, uh, there are things that you can sort of DIY, do it yourself. So let's start with the professional things and then we'll go to the DIY things. So professionally, the core requirement um, would be to uh, to use the tongue appropriately, like to keep it in the right position, to swallow the proper way, all those things. And you can work with a, a variety of professionals that can help you do that. You can work with the osteopath that we were talking about before to get your body in the right alignment to be able to allow the tongue to be retrained. You can can work with a therapist called a myofunctional therapist, and they um, all you know directly do therapy to help you retrain the tongue and to develop the oral muscles. And then, lastly, you can work with uh, a holistic dentist who practices something called orthotropics. Orthotropics is just basically um, regrowing the jaw, making the jaw larger to accommodate that tongue so it sits properly. So those are three professionals that you usually work with together um, to to really solve this problem if your child does indeed have a sleep-related breathing problem. But it's expensive, so parents want to be able to do something um, for themselves. So what I I like to um, um, encourage parents to do is to think of this, um, think of a call to action. And I have a download which describes the call to action that um, I ask parents to to do in order to help their kids, um, you know, prevent a sleep-related breathing problem or to help correct one if it's a, you know, a milder one. So in this call to action, the C stands for closed mouth. That is absolutely the number one thing that your child needs to do to um, either correct or avoid developing a sleep-related breathing problem. So the C of call to action is closed mouth. Then there's the T. And the T is to keep your um, your tongue plastered against the roof of your mouth. Most people that I talk to, and I myself was completely guilty of this, I did, uh, did, I did not keep my tongue plastered against the roof of my mouth. It used to just sit in my lower jaw. Um, but what we're really supposed to be doing is keeping it up there. You can do it like this. Uh, if you make the N sound of the mm. letter N, yeah. N, mm. and you feel where Oh, it pushes it right up. Yeah, you yeah. feel where your tongue goes yeah. right behind your teeth there. Yep. Then yes, so that's where the tip of your tongue should be. And then bring the rest of your tongue up into the palate. Let it follow the shape of the palate and keep your tongue there all the time. That's the proper position for it. Um, and then the last uh, thing of the uh, the A of the call to action, um, the A stands for airway preservation. And what does that mean? It means using your body in a way so that you don't um, collapse your airway. So what's one great example? Well, think of how we all use our cell phones and our tablets. What do we do? We hold them down by our waist somewhere, and then we look down at them. 
When we're doing that, we are really impinging on our airways. We're also really developing what's called a forward head posture, which over Mm -hmm. time will really impact the person's airway. So what do we do instead? Mm -hmm. Well, if you're going to preserve, if you're going to preserve your airway, take your phone and lift it up so it's eye level. Or if your child is using the iPad, prop it up on some pillows so that it's, it brings it up to eye level. So that's my call to action for parents. The C is closed mouth for your children. The T is train them to keep that tongue against the roof of the mouth. And P is, uh, I'm sorry, A is uh, airway preservation. Keep that airway in good shape by not tipping our heads forward, particularly when we use our electronic devices. Yeah, no, that is is really smart. And I mean, yeah, so many people lean over and not even just for cutting off your airway. I feel like everybody's going to be hunched over, right? Like just their, as a chiropractor standpoint, uh, viewpoint is it's like, we're all going to have our shoulders going over. And actually I've heard a lot of physical therapists say that, you know, we need to do a lot of opening of like the chest because we're so closed. And so um, it's interesting to hear that um, through a different perspective with the airway. Um, So, Tara, we're almost at the end of the show, but I wanted to circle back and ask you, so people who are having kids that are, um, you know, they're having a little bit hard time with reading. So if they're not having the, you know, the symptoms that you're describing, um, and they're still having issues that is, that's probably just separated. But if, if they're noticing that they are having symptoms, are you feeling, so the whole point is, is that you're feeling that they aren't, the kids are not getting good enough sleep. And so therefore they're not able to read because they're not fully rested. Is that the whole correlation of this? It's more than that, actually. It's okay. that their brains are truly being impacted by it. There was um, some fascinating research that just came out last year um, in, uh, in in the spring of last year, and it showed um, the brain images of typical kids and kids with actual obstructive sleep apnea. Remember the king of these sleep disorder oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. breathing problems? Right. And it showed that um, compared to those those normal sleepers, the kids who had the sleep problems had less gray matter, literally less gray matter. And what's on the these, gray matter? Yeah. The gray matter is what your brain is. That's the part oh, of so your brain. Oh, so they have less of it. There's less brain oh, there. So, wow. so now we don't know if that meant that they lost it because that's what happens with adults who have untreated sleep apnea. They lose the gray matter. So we don't know if these, these um, kids lost it or if they just never developed it. Um, but either way, if you're, if, and that goes back to that smartphone analogy that I was using before, but right from the get go, you're going to, you're, you're have, you're getting less smartphone than you yeah, otherwise sure. should because right. you're not giving it enough oxygen. But the other thing is for reading, um, there is specific research that shows that kids who, um, experience it, um, what they call sleep disordered breathing. That's the, the technical term for it. Kids who experiencing, experience sleep disordered breathing show greater, um, needs for special education by age eight. They show um, a part of the brain that we use for um, processing sounds. That area specifically is impacted. So that's going to impact your ability to take in language. And then that's going to impact your ability to manipulate sounds when you have to read. And then um, there's also a tremendous amount of research now to say that 
many of the kids who show ADHD-like signs are actually dealing with a sleep-related breathing problem, and that if you can correct the sleep-related breathing problem, you should see that go away so that you know there would be kids that are medicated, for example, that don't actually even need to be medicated. Because um, the funny thing is that if you think about you know, when you have a poor night of sleep, you're groggy the next morning as an adult, right? You need that cup of coffee to get you going or something. Right. Yep. As a as a kid, they often present in the opposite way. They are on overdrive. They stay in that um, fright, fight or flight mode, and and they're just racing, running on adrenaline, trying to keep going. Um, and that's that. In fact, that is actually why a stimulant works for kids with ADHD. I don't know about you, but that always puzzled me to say, yeah, you know, right. why is it right? Yeah. Why if he's racing around, he can't. Yeah, you need down. to calm him down, right? Yeah, it's right, right. Why does a stimulant help? But um, this uh, person in the field that I was talking to um, explained it to me like this. He said, "Well, when you um, that kid is running, trying to just produce the adrenaline that he needs to keep going, and when you finally give him a stimulant." Then all of a sudden, he doesn't need to produce that anymore. Mm, that makes sense. Yes. So he can sort of calm down Got then it. and let his body own body get can out. calm down. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Interesting. So, that is fascinating. Um, yeah. So it is fascinating. So, and so if you think about it, if you are, um, you know, experiencing attentional problems, your reading is definitely going to be impacted because so much of reading is, is about attention and being able to stay there and, and understand whatever the text is saying. So reading is definitely impacted across the board. Now, in terms of your question, like, am I seeing that every kid who has a reading problem is dealing with sleep related breathing problems? No. There are definitely going to be kids who strictly have dyslexia, you know, or have some other challenge that is not related to any kind of nighttime breathing problem. But in lots of the kids that I was seeing, I would see these signs that would make me say, oh, we should look at this too. Because what's going to happen, you know, you go, it's like putting a, a Band-Aid on a gunshot mm -hmm. wound if you go ahead and address the reading problems, but you don't actually ever give a, the kid a chance to right. sleep well at night, you know? Sure. Yeah. And the other funny thing is with this, um, it's not about the number of hours of sleep because you can put a baby, you know, or, you know, a toddler to bed at seven and they wake up at seven. You're like, no, no, my child gets 12 hours of sleep a night. But what you have to think about is not the, the quantity of right. the sleep, but the quality. Your child may indeed still be going through these micro arousals yeah. uh, where they're just being pulled up and not quite waking up. Um, one definite sign, and again, this is on my website, but is like the idea of grinding teeth, the bruxism. Mm. I know if you have a child who is grinding uh, his or her teeth at, at night, that's a definite sign of a sleep-related breathing problem because what the grinding does is it activates the muscles in the throat to to contract, which therefore, you know, uh, acts to open up the airway again. My daughter used to do that um, terribly, and it was only when I found out about this sleep-related breathing problem that I thought, oh, okay, that's what it is. People say, oh, it's stress. You're worried. You're that. No, it's actually your body saying, hey, muscles, wake up. We got to breathe. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. So how um, did you fix that with your daughter, the grinding? 
Yeah, so I did bring her to the uh, um, the orthotropic dentist, and we worked with the osteopath, and we worked with the myofunctional therapist. But something really interesting, she actually um, was involved in a playground accident um, about four months ago, and she ended up with a mild concussion. And after that, she started experiencing the bruxism again, the teeth grinding at night. So something happened that made her... Um, you know, revert to this. So I'm actually taking her in for another sleep study now to get an idea of how much this has resurrected. Um, I actually have this little, this little, uh, watch, a pulse oximetry, pulse oximetry, um, kind of gadget that you can sleep with at night to measure what your O2 oh, levels interesting. are. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see it on, on there. In fact, I brought it into the sleep specialist and I said, this is what I'm seeing at home. He said, I'm convinced that it is back mm. again. He's like, oh, we'll do man. another study. Um, so we'll have to do more, more work on that. Um, but I'm so glad that I know what these signs mean now, because otherwise I'd be like, oh my gosh, I guess she's stressed about this, um, you know, having had this concussion, right? Okay. We'll have to wait for the concussion to heal, but no, it's really somehow uh, impacting her breathing wow. at night. So, wow. you know, it has really allowed me to, to help so much better, you know, yeah. I, I, my, Last thing I'll say is like, it's almost like, I always think of it as like a car. You know, when you buy a car, brand new car, you're like, oh gosh, let me go get it washed. Oh, I hear yeah. a ping. Let me finish the right. mechanic, like everything, you know? But after a while, you're like, oh yeah, it's going to make a little bit of a, right. a noise yeah. here. Mm -hmm. or, or, is that a misfire? Okay. It's a little bit older now. And I <laughs> you're think- like, Yeah, you expect it. Yeah. And I think that's what tends to happen um, when we have kids, especially when there are a lot of little problems, like with my daughter, you know, a lot of little things that I couldn't ever really solve. Eventually you say, well, it's probably just what happens. Oh, I guess it's age, but it really doesn't have to be. You know, if we know about things as basic as breathing problems at night and we can look to fix them, um, then these little tiny problems don't ever add up to be this huge thing that impacts our kids down the road, um, you know, tremendously. So I, I, that's my my car my uh, car analogy there, you know, to think of them as like if I had a Lamborghini and it started making noise, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> I'm right. getting it into there's the a right problem mechanic. exactly, yeah. and that's kind of how we need to think of our kids. That wait, we shouldn't just you know, accept the idea that, oh, that's relate. No, that's normal. Oh, that's related to the flat feet. Like with my daughter, you know, right, we exactly. say, wait a second, let me keep going and going and going because it's not normal for kids to start showing these little, little tiny signs of unhealthiness. They're really yeah. like a canary in a coal mine. If we, if we are encouraged to look at them that way. Sure. Well, Tara, as we wrap up, where can people find you on social media and your website? Oh, great. Thanks. My uh, website is uh, nurturingliteracy.com. And uh, I have that quiz there. And actually, uh, for um, for your listeners, I have a special page set up. Awesome. For, yeah. yeah, it just says mom inspired show. And I uh, you can get the checklist. Um, to look uh, for the signs for your child and also what's called the pediatric sleep questionnaire. It's the one that doctors would use. And I have a bonus on there too, uh, a little infographic of the call to action signs that I mentioned before. And it's perfect for pinning onto the fridge to kind of keep oh, it on your yeah. mind. 
That's great. Well, Tara, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know this will open a lot of eyes to the correlation of just not only just reading, but also to their behavior, to breathing. So um, I hope that this gives hope to a lot of moms out there. They're kind of just, you know, banging their heads on the wall, wondering what's going on with their child, kind of similar to what your experience was with your daughter. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm hoping for, too, that the moms can get some insight and get the help for the kids that they need. So I I appreciate the opportunity to share the information, Amber. Hey, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, well, go ahead and do that because what that does is it shows up in your phone every Tuesday when new episodes air. That way you will never forget. So all you have to do is just go to your podcast app and click subscribe on my show and that will do the trick. All right, you guys, we'll see you next Tuesday. 